I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. On this episode, I have a very special conversation with Shannon Fable. The whole point, there's been a lot of discussion in the fitness industry about the role of women in leadership. For a couple episodes of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast, what I'm doing is interviewing female leaders in the fitness industry to get hear from them, to get from their point of view, how they evolved into leaders, how they got into their roles, and what you can do, whether you're male or female, it doesn't really matter. Gender specifics doesn't really matter, but steps that you can take to become more of a leader in our industry. On this episode, I have a very special conversation with Shannon Fable. Now, you may not know Shannon Fable because she's not presenting as much as she has before, but she has been instrumental. She is she is one of the leading entrepreneurs and one of the leading businesswomen in our industry. She play, she's played a very important role with a couple of very important companies. And currently, right now, she's the chairwoman of the board of directors of the American Council on Exercise. That's how I've known Shannon. We met a number of years ago. We talk about this a little bit on the podcast. But when I worked at Ace, I did work pretty closely with Shannon, and we worked on a couple projects together. And since then, she's helped me in terms of getting my career started as a consultant, as a freelancer, because Shannon has been one of the probably more influential freelance consultants in the industry. And now she has a couple of very important roles that she plays, not only with American Council on Exercise, but with Fit for Mom. So on this episode of The Empowered Entrepreneur, Shannon Fable talks about what she's done. She talks about how she evolved from being a group fitness instructor to being a leading executive and now chairwoman of the largest not-for-profit personal training certification in our business. What I wanted to do with Shannon, what I, what I wanted to speak with Shannon about was exactly what you heard, how she evolved her career. I bet you didn't even know that Shannon started a company. If you want to buy a software company, talk to Shannon Fable. She's selling one. You know, you wouldn't even know that. That's something that she's done below the radar, but that exemplifies what she's done and, and how she's operated. Yes, she's been a presenter. Yes, she's one instructor of the year. But the reality is she has her stuff together and she has everything organized and dialed in. If you ever want to get better at how you do what you do, my recommendation is you go see Shannon speak on that topic. I've seen her speak a few times about time management, organization, and it's great. It's great stuff. Maybe I've applied some of it. Maybe I haven't. <laughs> That's for me to know and you to find out. But Shannon, one thing about Shannon is she is hyper, super organized. That's why she's able to accomplish so much. On this episode of The Empowered Entrepreneur, I want to give you a peek behind the curtain, let you understand a little bit more about Shannon Fable and how she's evolved to be one of the more influential female business leaders in the fitness industry. Thank you for tuning in to this episode, and we look forward to having you join us for future episodes of The Idea Empowered Entrepreneur. I'm Pete McCall with the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast, and it really is a lot of fun to catch up with uh, Miss Shannon Fable. Now, a lot of people might know Shannon from presenting because you are a fabulous presenter, but I think a lot of people would be surprised, Shannon, is that you actually own kind of a, a, a non, I mean, I guess it's fitness-related business, but talk a little bit about that, Shannon. I would talk a little about the company that you started, and, and we'll go. we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, many people do not know I own a software company with my husband called GroupX Pro, and it very much started out uh, necessity as a group fitness manager for the past twenty years. Uh, I was looking for 
a technology stack that would help me communicate with my team and basically organize subs. And it has grown for the past 12 years into a full management platform that allows and allows managers to, you know, house their schedule, display their schedule in a variety of ways, organize their subs, keep documents, tabs on their team, calendars, and run all of the backend reporting that they need to make smart decisions about their programs. So it's 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 been a crazy ride for the past decade or so. And, you know, a little tiny scrappy company made with two people living in the same house um, that has grown into something that we're actually uh, in the process of of selling because other people see the value in it. So, yeah, it's 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 been crazy. Thanks for letting me chat about it. I don't get to talk about it very often. Well, I, that was one of the things that surprised me when we got to know each other a little bit better, Shannon, was the fact that, you know, I knew you as a presenter, as a leading programming specialist. And to find out that you actually, you and your husband started that, what was, I mean, you talked about seeing a need, but what's the mm-hmm. biggest need? Let's talk about that for a second is what do you think are the biggest challenges on the group fitness side? Because that's where you spend a majority of your career is mm-hmm. in the group fitness environment of our industry. What do you think is the biggest challenge from a management, from an operations standpoint for group fitness? Gosh, I can pinpoint three things. One, we're not given very many tools to do our jobs well. And I, I mean, anything is thrown at us from equipment to AV to, you know, beautiful studios, maybe lighting and HVAC. And of course, you know, we have a kitty to spend on talent, hopefully, if, if you work for, for a gym that uh, that sees the value in that. But what I mean by the tools to do our job is nobody is training us to be managers and leaders. No one is teaching us about what it takes to organize a group of marginally engaged instructors. And I, I say marginally engaged, not with, it's not a sleight of tongue. It's not meant to be a discredit to the people that work for us, but most people, this is their second job or a very part-time job. So of course, if you're coming in and teaching one hour a week, you're not going to have the same level of engagement as I will if I'm getting a full-time salary as the group fitness manager. We're not given the tools to, to figure out or learn, understand how to deal with those types of employees. So we're, we're kind of hamstrung with that. And then we certainly aren't given a lot of technology to help support the growth and development, whether, like I said, that's our scheduling or back-end record-keeping that helps us have historical data. And and I'd say an overarching issue that I find is it's kind of like folklore. I mean, you pass down your program from one GFM to the other if you're lucky, but nine times out of 10, there's very little transition between the first person that did the job and the second person that did the job. So the new GFM literally is like starting from scratch or trying to, you know, sleuth their way into figuring out where things are kept, how they're kept, so on and so forth. So it's just kind of an enigma. Um, now, I would say that's not a, a, a not an overarching theme for every single organization out there. I think some are run much better than others, obviously. But I did find, you know, our sweet spot truly is large-scale organizations where a manager works very few hours a week, has a ton of instructors and a ton of classes to cover, and they just don't have the tools that I just described. So we wanted to provide them a, a way to really up-level their, their back-end resources to be a real leader, not just the head group fitness instructor, but really the manager and leader of a department. Let's, we're going to come back to that in a second because that's exactly why I want to talk to you is about leadership and how do you take, whether you're leading a group fitness department or any department, what's involved in leadership. But 
I never thought about that before, Shannon, and I think you're 1,000% on the money. I just was kind of giggling. It's exactly like mythology. It's exactly mm-hmm. like a tribe. <laughs> you know, when, when, cause let's face it for years, for years, like the most popular group fitness instructor, male or female becomes the de facto mm-hmm. group fitness manager, you know, because yeah. for whatever reason, the most popular one, they're on the schedule. So the schedule becomes kind of a reflection of their personality. They give mm-hmm. themselves kind of like the most popular classes. And then when they leave, there's like a mythology, like, well, this is the way she did it or this is the way that he did it. And we don't want to rock the apple cart because this is the way we've mm-hmm. always done it. You know, members get into a certain mindset. Other staff get into a certain mindset. I never really saw that before comparing like mythology. And I was just watching something on Sub-Saharan Africa yesterday with my kids, which is one reason I'm kind of stuck on that. <laughs> kind of like the mythology of it. But I think that's right on. Now, I want to come back to that in a second in the context but what else do you do besides you own a company, Group X Pro? Mm-hmm. You also are very involved with one organization, and then you are a vol- you have a volunteer, a very kind of high level volunteer position with a third organization. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. My number one consulting gig at the moment, I serve as the executive vice president of learning and product development for the Fit for Mom franchise. And that is my mainstay job at the moment. I've been with the organization for almost two years now and really more in a fuller time capacity in the last year, coming on first in fitness and now moving into overseeing all of the learning and product development for the company, whether that's consumer, um, the instructor business, or even the employees in our onboarding journeys. And then the third that you were mentioning, I do serve, I was recently elected as the chair of the American Council on Exercise, the board for the American Council on Exercise. So um, ACE is a nonprofit, as you know, and the board is a volunteer position, but we oversee the the organization. So that's been, you know, I, I kind of giggle to myself sometimes because I always thought that um, I've been on the board now for almost six years, and I, as you know, won the Instructor of the Year Award for ACE a really long time ago, and I'm totally dating myself, and won the Idea Instructor of the Year Award in 2013. And, you know, in our industry, those are the things that that you're, that a lot of people are um aiming for, right? Like I always thought if I got that, oh my gosh, like that would be the crowning achievement in my career. And I knew my my career had taken a turn when I was so honored to get the Idea Instructor of the Year Award. I mean, it filled me up in a way that I can't even explain. But when I was nominated for the board and was named to the board, that was even, I'm not going to say more special, you can't compare the two, but it was something so different. But it truly was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually being recognized for my brain, my thoughts, my strategy, and what I can, the legacy I can leave behind on this business, not just in step touching. And it was just this, this very illuminating moment for me where I was like, oh, I can be more than the group fitness instructor. And and not that being the instructor of the year means that it's just group fitness, but like I thought, I, we've been talking before about the glass ceiling. I thought that was my glass ceiling. Like that was the last ring. That was the last rung on the ladder, so to speak. And when I got named to the board and now, you know, six years later being named the chair, it's like, oh my gosh, there's more to this than just step touching and being a great group fitness instructor or a great group fitness manager that I can be, you know, equally heralded for my brain on the business side of this industry, which is just a pretty cool feeling. Well, and I, I, that's a very important thing. It's exactly, Shannon, as you know, I have a lot of respect for you in that regard. And that's why I want to speak with you today is so you can kind of take a peel. We can peel back what you've done 
and you can kind of help lay lay the groundwork or show mm-hmm. the steps that other people, you know, specifically women in the industry can take. Mm-hmm. Now, as we look at this, the one question I have, and, and we've known each other for a number of years, and we have done a little bit of uh, just just for the full, um, you know, for for full disclosure, I have done a little bit of consulting with you and Fit for Mom on on the mm-hmm. back end. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> um, but when I look at this, the one thing every time I work with you, Shannon, kind of the one thing in the back of my mind is what would you be doing if it weren't fitness? Like I could see you being a marketing <laughs> executive. I could see you being like a, a senior account executive or senior sales leader. No matter what you would do, Shannon, just from, from what I know of you personally, I would see you in a leadership position in any organization in the industry. If it weren't making half-naked people sweaty, what do you think you'd be doing? <laughs> so funny. Well, a lot of people do not know that I started my my world outside of college. Um, first, it, it wasn't fitness. I, I did... I ran a cheerleading, a competitive cheerleading gym or a competitive cheerleading organization inside of a gymnastics gym, just kind of rolled my college career of D1 cheerleading into a full-time career and very quickly realized that I could not pay the bills doing that. Um, And so I have a sociology degree and I became I started working for Staubach Retail Services. So Roger Staubach owns a real estate company and I worked in their retail real estate division. And I started out as an office manager, which is really funny. Like my mom could have, she was crying when I told her, I'm like, I just quit my job and I went to a temp agency and I'm going to be a secretary. And she's like, what? Because <laughs> that's what she had done. And all she ever wanted from me in my life was not to be, quote unquote, just a secretary. But there was something that I loved about being an office manager, like organizing everything and making spreadsheets and making file folders with beautiful labels. It made me so happy. And those of you that know me well know that still makes me very, very happy. Um, but I ended up doing population density studies for I worked my way up in that organization into what I actually went to school for, which is studying the purchasing habits of people and helping folks determine where to put stores. So it was actually very interesting to me. And I'm not saying that that would have been where I would have ended up, but I think you're right. Sales and marketing intrigue me so much and developing strategy around sales and marketing truly is um, something that I just love to study, love to work on, love to learn about. And it all kind of stems from that sociology degree that I got that's just about studying people and trying to direct their behavior, whether that's been my teaching, creating a program, education, or now like running learning and and product development. It truly is about studying human nature and and trying to direct people with intention. Um, So yeah, I'm not quite sure, but I have a feeling I I could have gone through the sales and marketing uh, lens and and done something in that for sure. Well, because I think that's important for people to hear is that no matter what, I think there are certain people that would succeed in any field and you just have happened to rise to the top, you know, happen to rise to the top in fitness. And and looking at that 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 Shannon, you know, and kind of the way you just laid that out, you know, that that people will rise up. What do you think is different between our industry and other industries? Meaning ongoing staff development. We we had this little we mm-hmm. had this little conversation before we mm-hmm. started. Because when I look at it, like what you were working for a real estate firm and for people, for listeners, if you're into fitness and you've been working in fitness about 20 years ago, there's, there's some real estate software that was launched and, and used called Arc Info and Arc something or other. But what mm-hmm. they did was a group, and it's probably exactly what you worked on. They looked at demographics by zip code mm-hmm. and where you'd want to put stores and retail outlets based on zip code and based on, you know, expendable dem- demographics. And if you look at all the gyms out there now, whether it's a 24-hour fitness, an Equinox, a, um, 
your gym, gym was the, the the chain you worked with recently, the franchise company. Anytime, anytime mm-hmm. fitness, mm-hmm. but they look they look at putting those places very specifically based mm-hmm. on real estate. So, do you think getting that exposure to real estate kind of helped you understand? fitness a little bit more when you started getting into it because let's look at it. a lot of fitness stuff shannon when you look at it, a lot of fitness the way that the companies really make money in this business is through real estate yeah i mean i don't know if it was specifically real estate i, I think it's two things i think one i learned that if i wanted to move up from being an office manager like started out as a temp to move up to to where i ended up um it's there for the asking you just have to to go out and seek it. Does that make sense? So development opportunities are there, but no one's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, do you want to do this? You have to wiggle your way into it and then lean in and work really, really hard. That's one. And then two, it was, it was this realization that whether it's real estate or other, um, uh, other concepts around the same thing, you just meant demographic studies, the studying of people to figure out what they want, how important that is versus what you believe to be true. And and I think that has always been my battle cry in this industry. It's like, yep, I'm a special population when it comes to fitness because I like to exercise, I like to get sweaty, and I like a certain type of class led by a certain type of instructor that has a certain personality type. And most of us do get involved in this industry. And when you then have the microphone on, if someone doesn't teach you very quickly that it's not about what you like, like not everyone is cloned the way you are and that you truly have to tap into what is happening in their brain and in their life and figure out what they need. You have to skate to where the puck is, the the famous quote, right, by Gretzky. Um, I think that's what I learned, right? Because I would listen to these real estate agents that would go out on these trips and one of the jobs that I had to do is they would um, dictate as they were driving down major interstates. And when they would see parcels for sale, whether it was a building or a piece of land, they would talk about what was surrounding it and their gut instincts, like what they were thinking. And I would have to transcribe all that. And then I'd have to go lay the population density study, all the demographic information on top of their information. And I was the one that told them what was right and what was wrong. And it wasn't about what their gut feeling was based on them sitting there. It was on the data that no, the people in this neighborhood make this amount of money and this is what they spend their money on. This is what they need. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I believe we need more of that in fitness and we need more of that in leadership and in every single level of fitness. Instead of thinking about what turns you on and gets you excited about fitness, thinking about where the gaps are and figuring out what they need to stay excited and interested. And that's with everything, whether it's teaching, gym memberships, where the gym goes, the amenities inside the gym, like it's all changing, right? And we can't turn our noses up at, we can't figure out the millennial, et cetera, et cetera. Well, hire a millennial, figure it out, right? Like you can't just keep cloning and and reiterating what we've always done because we're the same people in leadership in the industry, if that makes sense. Well, that makes perfect sense. And that's the one thing that, that's the phrase that makes my skin crawl, whether I've been working for a certification organization, whether I've been in a health club, whether I've been consulting with a company, one of the things I can't stand hearing, Shannon, is, well, this is the way we've always done it. I and it's know. Like, okay, just because we've done it that way, that means we can evolve. That means everything is a growth process. What do you think, what would be your recommendation? Because it sounds like you and I were a lot alike, where if we saw something that interested us, we rolled up our sleeves and we learned more about it. Mm-hmm. What would your recommendation be for someone that's listening to this that might be a relatively new instructor or might be a gung-ho fitness manager? What steps should should that, that listener take in order to make themselves more marketable for that next job. 
because mm. you know you're, when you're in the job now, you're you're always looking for that next job. Right. How should people be looking to make themselves more marketable, whether they're an instructor, whether they're a manager? Gosh, so many things happen. I, I think that the term that popped into my head, and, and again, I don't know if it's going to answer you specifically, but I promise I'll link it back. Focus groups, focus groups, focus groups. I think the thing that I learned the most at Anytime Fitness when we hired this amazing CMO, um, Stacey Anderson, uh, she really brought to our organization the need for more focus groups and getting more feedback so that when we reiterated everything we were doing, when we when we reimagined or reinvented, we weren't just five people in a room talking to ourselves. And I think any instructor, any trainer, to make yourself more marketable, you have to go out and talk to people beyond your fan base. Don't come to me and try to get a job and tell me you're the most popular instructor at XYZ because my response will be, well, they're not my member. What do you have that my members need? Just because they like you down the street doesn't mean they're going to like you here. Talk to me more about like, I love when people come into a club where I manage and say, hey, I've come in, I've been on a guest pass. I've taken all of your classes. This is what I see. Here's what I love. Here's what I don't understand. Here's how I think I can be a player. And not just be the most popular. I mean, like I said, my head goes in a million different directions right now because I I think that every fitness instructor and trainer has been heralded on how much money they can make and how packed they can keep the room. And we do that at what cost? Versus to me, the next generation of superstars in this industry are going to be the ones that do the hard work of figuring out what's next, what's needed what a certain gym needs, what a certain organization needs, and how you can play in the team and in the framework versus just standing out and being a superstar on your own. Um, and that's that's different because most of us grew up, if we learned to teach in the 90s, we grew up in the guru mentality, right? Be the best. Draw people to you. Make people want to be in your classes. They don't want to go anywhere else. They don't want to come when you're subbing out your class. And that mentality has to change with instructors and trainers. Now, I could go off on a complete tangent and talk about how the way that we compensate people and incentivize people, we actually trigger that behavior. (laughs) So a lot needs to change. But I'd say for someone to be valuable in the next generation of leaders in this industry, it it truly is that skating to where the puck is. Focus groups, focus groups, focus groups. Ask people that aren't exercising why they're not. Ask them what they would make them come into the class. Ask people what they liked about your class. But more importantly, ask them what you could do better next time and continue to improve. Not just become a better instructor, but be an instructor or a trainer that can reach new people. Okay, now I'm thinking about everything I need to do differently. So thank, right. thanks. But no, but that's an important answer because I think we get comfortable in a lot of, because uh, when you look at it, a lot of us do get that kind of, I don't want to call it a God complex because that's a very serious issue. But, you know, you, you teach a class, whether you teach one a week or whether you teach three a day, you get a certain attitude when people say, oh, I love you. I love your class. I love this. I love that. You, you get a certain thing of like, well, my stuff doesn't stink, but you always need to be evolving. You always need to say, mm-hmm. how can I do this better? And I like that. Um, I learned one of the first things, one of my first jobs early on before I got in this business, Shannon, was a high pressure sales environment. And mm-hmm. I washed out. I was not a good salesperson for this environment, <laughs> this product, but it was one year of just hardcore, nonstop, in your face sales training, which when I, when I got in the fitness industry, I had that experience and that exposure and I was so thankful for it mm-hmm. because I understood 
important part of the sales process. And, and what I like about what you said is go to that open space is look to recruit to more members. What do you think that social media, and I know this opened up a huge mm. rabbit hole, but <laughs> social media, I think is kind of creating that opportunity for instructors to go to that blank space. I think a lot of good instructors have gone into social media to say be, there is a lack of information coming out. So good instructors, good people have taken it on themselves to put out good content and mm-hmm. are sort of, I see, I see and this is kind of getting to us on the sidetrack, but I see over the next two or three years, and I know you've been involved in some online discussions of this, I see over the next two or three years that our social media presence is going to become more and more tied into what we do, whether we're an instructor in a club or whether we're mm-hmm. a presenter going to speak at a conference. How do you feel that social media is changing mm-hmm. that interaction between what's going on in the studio or in the fitness facility and what's going on with the membership, the, the greater membership and potential members? Great question. I'm going to back up and then go forward. I think what you said is amazing because I, I sales, you asked what could someone do to be better. I too sold gym memberships and I think it was one of the most illuminating jobs I ever had. It taught me so much about what we're not offering in the fitness studios and with training um, because you, you had to figure that out. So I, I, I want to pause on that and say, I think everyone should go try to sell gym memberships and trainers that hate to do sales. You learn more by someone turning you down as a trainer than you do by getting the business. I think sales is underrated. It may not be what you want to do, but you will learn so much because it's just another form of focus groups. Social media. Um, it's funny. I just turned in an article that is for idea fitness magazine about social media and whether or not the amount of influence you have outside of the gym should be counted towards whether or not you get the job. And it is quite a loaded topic. Um, chicken and egg. I I think that social media is a way for fitness instructors, trainers, to have a bigger voice and not just have a bigger voice for the ego strokes that that gives you. Cause that's what you were talking about, right? We love it when people tell us that they like our classes, we get paid in ego strokes. And I don't like the fact that I think some instructors and trainers use social media to enhance their ego strokes. Mm-hmm. I like when people use social media to reach people that they can't reach because of geography. And I think that's something that we there there you can tell immediately who does who who does it who does it for which reason it, it's it screams right yeah so when when I look at people in social media I can give them a thumbs up and say I love what you're doing because you are helping people that could not get hold of you if they weren't near you, like in a two mile radius, right? Isn't that what it is? Like if you're within two miles of a gym, you'll go. If not, (laughs) you find excuses. Um, But I don't like people that do it because it's just playing to their fan base. Example, instructors that consistently post about, I'm not going to be in class, but you're in great hands with so-and-so. I'll see you next week. I don't need an announcement that you have a sub because are you really doing that for my benefit? Are you doing it for your own? Because you should have a fan base that you have taught so well and you have prepared and chosen the best sub for your class that it shouldn't matter whether you're there or not. Fitness should exist outside of the class hours that you teach and you can be part of that journey for your students. And that's where I think social media can be so paramount and so powerful, right? Like if you are 
continuing to connect with people outside of class, not just to deepen your relationship with them, but to provide them the the spots between the spots that they get to see you. Because I mean, I even think about myself, like I'm a high end user of fitness. I have, I think like seven gym memberships. It's stupid. And a whole basement that whatever I could start my own gym downstairs. Um, I have access to everything. Right. But I still find myself struggling to get to the gym. And it's because, and, and and I know that's so hard for fitness people to understand, but I think, you know, becoming more on the business side of fitness, I laugh about it all the time. People are like, oh, you're in fitness. I'm like, well, I'm in the business development side of the fitness industry. Now I just talk about it. I don't do as much of it. And fitness used to be built in for what I did, right? I had to show up at a conference and teach. I had to teach my classes each week. I ran, a stu- you know, or, or ran the studios at the gym. But where I'm going with that is, it's hard when you're in the thick of it, right? When you're teaching consistently and your life is at the gym, you don't understand how, like, I love these memes on social media that like, um, try replace, what was the one I saw the other day? Try replacing, I don't have time with it. Did you see it on there? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get it so wrong. I don't have time with, I don't care. Hmm. And it's like, Hmm, I don't know if that's the truth because I think sometimes it's, I don't have time to put on clothes, get in the car, drive to the gym, arrive at the time that you have your class, finish the class when you want me to finish the class, get back to the gym and get home. I have time to work out, but I need to do it on my terms some days. And sometimes that means 20 minutes downstairs with an app. Sometimes it means driving to the gym and taking a class. Sometimes it means getting on the treadmill and trying to fit in what I can at the gym. Does that make sense? So if people can use social media to help more people do that, I will attribute my success with you honoring the fact that that's a reality instead of continuing to make me feel bad about not finding the time to show up at 9 a.m. for your cycling class. Well, that's, that is extremely powerful because I think that's something that we need to work to overall to get people to think differently about exercise. One of the mm-hmm. things that I saw, you know, one of the memes I saw over the weekend, and we're recording this right after the, the Thanksgiving holiday, one of the things I saw was use exercise as a reward or to treat yourself, not punish yourself. Absolutely. You know, use exercise to lift yourself up and exercise should be about, Hey, I, I want to feel good. And, and, and like, I'll use this as an example. I, I don't know what I did to my hip or my back, but I've been, I was on a couch for three days cause I could barely mm-hmm. move, mm-hmm. you know, and this, I'm using my, trying to use my own, um, you know, my mm-hmm. own advice. So I literally just rested. I did nothing for three days driving me absolutely nuts. And now I'm trying to do a little bit of movement without overdoing it. And it just, it strikes me as I was thinking about it. I'm like, I can't imagine a life where you don't do at least 20 or 30 minutes of continuous activity in a day. Mm -hmm. For the last three days, I've had to work very hard not to be active to let an injury heal. So for, for us, it's a very abnormal thought process where for the average Mm -hmm. person, it's like, how do I get 30 minutes? You know, it's like that, that overwhelming sense of time and to wrap up social media. I think the ones I like are the social media the people that use social media to try to encourage, to say, hey, go out and do something. Do something challenging. Do something that scares you a little bit. Or just to put this information out here, here's a new idea for an exercise. You can't mm-hmm. come take – I like you what you said. You can't come take a class with me, but here I want to reach out and help you. And mm-hmm. I'll use you know, a woman I've known for years, Kira Stokes. I mean we worked together years ago and we knew each other years ago and we were both um, in, in a large, you know, large health club company. And I've seen her grow into this amazing – um, amazing, you know, Instagram, you know, kind of personality. But I have to tell you, Shannon, she just is continuing what she did 20 years ago on a gym floor. So mm-hmm, when she was a mm-hmm. trainer in her early 20s. She was having the same attitude and the same approach. So for people listening, if you just take that natural organic approach, and that's Kira Stokes, 
if you find her on Instagram, but she has a, she has such a great attitude and we've had a lot of conversations about, she doesn't want to dilute her brand, but she's trying to take it out there to help others to take it out and extend it to others. And I think that's a good mm. option for people to make. Now I want to bring this back to, so I'm going to start wrapping up the conversation. I want to bring this back to, because people think to be a good instructor, they need to have a social media presence. They need to have a certain mm-hmm. appearance. What do you think are some of the top qualities that a f- good fitness professional, you've been instructor of the year from a couple of organizations. What do you think if you were going to vote on instructor or trainer of the year, what are the mm-hmm. qualities that you're looking for? Gosh, I'd say number one is empathy. Um, and what I mean by that is kind of what we were just talking about an understanding that you as a fitness professional are a unique individual with a unique reality and a unique perspective on fitness and the best fitness professionals in the world get that your journey looks very, very different than the people you are trying to help. Two, I look for instructors that understand you can only lead a horse to water. And what I mean by that is I shouldn't have to, I, my job is not to shame you into exercising It's not to tell you that you can do more, be more, push harder. It's to accept you for who you are and help you be a better version or the same version instead of always trying to improve you. And I don't know if that, if that makes sense and and to sum it up as you can only lead a horse to water, but I, I think most instructors falsely assume that to be the best instructor, you have to be the hardest instructor and always be the one that's pushing, 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 and encouraging. I look for instructors that realize that sometimes that's the personality that someone needs. Sometimes I'm just hoping that I don't go backwards and I just need credit for showing up. So someone that understands that like you're a coach, right? And your job truly is to figure out what that person needs. And if you're doing group fitness, you don't have the luxury of sitting down with them one-on-one and figuring it out. So you have to be able to, you know, walk that, that middle line. Um, and then I think the third is I am constantly searching for instructors. I, I give them the highest accolades if they are continuing to evolve and evolve in lots of different ways, not just the one with the most certifications, the most pieces of paper, the most letters behind their name, not the one with the most education, but the one that has the the most invested in continuing to evolve as a human, as a fitness professional, as a coach as a motivator, as a leader, and as a business person. So the instructor that 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 wins for me is one that's evolving in all of those. And the, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, so to speak, is the one that also sees this as a business that has lots of different moving parts, not just the class that's happening in the studio. And how you intersect with all of that, right? Like really understanding this is an ecosystem and it's a giant ecosystem, not just the club, not just your community, but like the world in general. Um, and and just what part you're playing in all of that and, and what an awesome responsibility it is. Like how much responsibility is in your hands every time you turn on the mic. I think, and that's, I'd like the way you say that because the way I've tried to get people thinking about this is, is as an instructor, well, let's, let's take a step back. You have 24 hours in a day and mm-hmm. you, we have a very finite amount of time. That's our most, you know, I, I was an undergrad in, in, in undergrad. I was an economics major, which is you look at unlimited, you know, unlimited demands with limited resources. Mm-hmm. So time is our most precious resource. We have 24 in a day. And as you mentioned, people have to 
schedule to drive to a facility, to change clothes, to get ready, to get mentally ready. So it's not just going, it's not just like stopping mm-hmm. by to pick up orange juice. You have to make a commitment to go to a fitness facility. And people are giving you an hour. As an instructor, people are giving you an hour of their day. Whether we're an instructor, whether we're a trainer, whether we're doing one-on-one or group, we owe it to whoever we see to make that hour special. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I've always looked at it, Shannon, is, yeah, I can give you a hard workout, but I want to give you the right workout for today. I want to give you the right, right workout for what you need. I don't want you walking out of here feeling wasted because if I waste you, then I'm going to thrash you for tomorrow. And I'm not – if I only give mm-hmm. you a hard workout for today – and we don't think about tomorrow, I'm not doing you a favor. As your coach, as your trainer, I'm not thinking about your best interests. If I thrash you on a Monday so you can't move on a Tuesday. Instead, Agreed. I would agree, I would argue that instructors out there should think about how can you get somebody to move every day? We don't want to just thrash them in one day, but we want to coach them up so they understand the role that this plays every day. So they come back in on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout, and they stay engaged throughout the entire week which has mm-hmm. to do a lot with programming, and that's a whole different <laughs> – I know you can go for hours on programming, but let's let's start to wind this down. What I want to – what do you think are the most important attributes? If somebody wants to make that next step, you you consult on the executive level. You are, you know, the chair of a – the chair of a board of – the chair of a board of directors of a nonprofit. If people want to make that next move from manager to director, from director to executive, what do you think the things are that, that we should be looking to? What do you think those steps are – that somebody should take to get to get that next level in their career? Let's see. I'm going to boil it down to three things. And, and I'm going to start with where I just left off. You have to shift your perspective and realize that the fitness industry is way bigger than a class and the part that you play. So you truly, I think one of the best gifts I gave to myself is I committed to doing almost every part inside of a facility to figure out how it all fit together. Because that's where it all starts, right? Like whether I'm consulting for a program, a product, a different company, it intersects with the industry in the club setting for the most part. So I started in the club and I did everything. I taught group fitness part-time. I taught group fitness full-time. I was a group fitness manager. I was a personal trainer. I was a personal training manager, worked the front desk. I did sales. I was an assistant GM. I helped open a gym. So I purchased, I, I did all the parts. I didn't like all the parts, but I cross-trained in all the parts to figure out how it all fit together. Because I think the thing that holds most group fitness instructors more more so than maybe a personal trainer that wants to go to the next level, group fitness instructors are held back because you may be very smart in programming and very smart in exercise and very smart in teaching. But sometimes we don't get the full breadth of just how big and, and and how interconnected this industry is. So that would be number one. It's like you've got to understand the business. You have to understand the business from top to bottom. I'd say number two is step outside the industry and learn more about business. You said it early on, and I know we've talked about this a lot. There's just, you know, and we can say it's a disservice and we need to fix it, but it's chicken and the egg. There's not a lot of on-the-job training inside of the fitness industry that leads to moving up, right? You might get great on-the-job training in personal training to become a better personal trainer or cross-train to group fitness. Um, You might get great skills training for group fitness and become a better group fitness instructor and maybe move up to management. But there's not a ton of like, my husband worked at NCAR where we actually just ran into this lady that 
that led his leadership development team. So every department nominated a junior level associate and put them into this six month leadership training so they could learn how to be leaders in an organization and think strategically. Like they invested in them for leadership training, whether it ever benefited them or not. We don't have that. And we can complain about it. We can moan about it and say, that's the reason why we're not getting anywhere or do what I did. Go find it somewhere else. Invest in yourself for that leadership training if, if that's something that you want to learn. And surround yourself with people inside and outside of the industry um, that are those leaders, right? Like I, one of the best connections I ever made was with Chuck Runyon at Anytime Fitness. And thank God I was blessed to work with him and his amazing team at Anytime Fitness for five years. But I learned more from him about business and leadership and strategy just by being a fly on the wall and leads to my last thing, asking tons of questions. I am probably one of the most annoying question askers in the world. I try to do it with a lot of grace and a lot of respect for your time. But once I found those self-proclaimed mentors, so to speak, I never really necessarily had like a mentor-mentee relationship with people in the business world, but I got them in my Rolodex. I kept giving value to their life in any way that I could. So in return, I could ask them all the questions. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll finish with this story. Like my, my trajectory right now is all I want is to do fitness business. Like I love fitness and I love the act of fitness and I still feel very close to fitness programming and, and certification and all that good stuff. But I truly want to stay in this industry for the next 20, 30 years as a strategist, as someone that gets to help define where we go as an industry and how this all comes full circle. I say, you know, Chuck Runyon is, you know, one of the, the smartest men I've ever met. And I I was so lucky to have him in my life. Um, I haven't worked at Anytime Fitness in two years, but we still talk on a regular basis. And um, just last week, flew back up there with the CEO of Fit for Mom. And all we had to do was ask him for his time and say, hey, you know, we've got a day. Can we come sit down with you, pick your brain? And I mean, does Anytime have something they could gain from Fit for Mom? Absolutely. I, I think there's so much you know, cross-pollination in this industry. We, we all can help one another, but it is quite a lopsided investment, I guess, is the way that I would put it, right? Like we have so much more to gain from learning and listening to Chuck and his team than they ever could get from us. But like I said, to, to, to put a, a pin in it, um, spent the whole day with Chuck. He gave us access to his entire executive team and a ton of his folks to help us build our business because of the relationship that we have, but also because he believes in paying it forward. People are out there. If if you can find the right people to ask the questions, they will help you succeed. And, and I think that's, you know, that's where I would wrap it up is you have to ask the questions. Don't wait for someone to come tap you on the shoulder. I know there's a lot of hemming and hawing about, well, women just don't get the the um, opportunities or group fitness instructors don't get the opportunities, but say, I nobody asked me to do anything that I'm doing right now. <laughs> nobody 10 years ago said, maybe one day you might want to be on the board. I just surrounded myself with amazing people, asked a ton of questions, got to know this industry inside and out and made myself super valuable. Going back to what we said earlier, I also found a space that no one else occupied, a skill set that no one else occupied. And I try my hardest to do it the best that anyone could. So it's all within the realm of possibility. You just have to put yourself out there. Well, and I'm going to say, I think that's a great way to wrap it up because a lot of people will think, will sit there and, well, why don't I get the opportunities? But m most of the leaders I've talked to in this space, Shannon, yourself included, are the ones that went out there and sought the opportunities. Nobody mm -hmm. I know, I don't, I can't think of anybody that, that I've met in the last few, few years 
that has just said, well, I'll just hang it out at the gym. And somebody came by and said, hey, do you want to be, <laughs> be the lead presenter for something? That that has not right. happened. But what has happened is a strong – you're one of these people that is a strong networker. You get out and you go out and you meet the right people. And I've done the same thing. I mean – yeah, I just was thinking as you're saying that it was 10 years ago, right about now, where we we had our first conversation on the phone when I just started working at Ace, mm-hmm. and you yeah. were, you're doing something, you're doing something else, and I remember specifically talking on the phone with Rob and going over CEC stuff for the coming year, and mm-hmm. so to kind of piggyback on that for listeners, get out, not only work on your 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 online social networking, but get out in real life, go to conferences. How important is it, Shannon, for people to come to a fitness conference? just to be around others and to, to do the in-person networking. Oh my gosh. I, I love that you brought it back to that. Cause I think that right now we all think about networking as our you know friends on Facebook or our followers on Facebook. I no, it is in person for me. And I think fitness conferences are important. Go to the ideas, go to the SCWs, go to all the fitness conferences you can, but then I'm going to give you a challenge. Go to the fitness industry business conferences as well. Even if you don't think you have a place or a reason to be there. Because that's where you can start to expand your concepts for for what is available, what jobs are out there, what organizations are looking for someone like me that could help them with XYZ. So yes, yes and, I guess is what I would say. Go to the fitness industry conferences. That's where you're going to get your con ed. You're going to learn, you're going to learn, you're going to learn. And then go to the URSAs, go to the FIBO that's coming up in December, go overseas to different, and I know I'm, I'm like painting this this big picture, I get that finances <laughs> could be a hindrance, but you also want to go network and go show up live to the business conferences if you are seeking a bigger role in this industry beyond trading time for money in personal training and group fitness. You, you've got to get out there with with the folks that are making it happen on the business side. And just for listeners, people, nobody doing what, what I'm doing, nobody doing what Shannon is doing got to where they are by sitting at home, sitting on their hands going, wow, I wonder if I could do that or, or I wonder what if. Anybody who's doing what you're doing, Shannon, anybody who's gotten to to what we're doing has been out there grinding and gone out and gotten to meet people and, and gone and gotten to know some of the players. Any last words to wrap up? Uh, I know you will we'll give you, you can leave your social media stuff, but you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with uh, Group Fitness and Ace, even though I know you're doing a couple different things, <laughs> but I'll give you a chance to give that a shout out. But also, how can people just stay engaged with you and get more, you know, kind of your insights into leadership? Sure. Um, you know, all my social is Shannon Fable. So whether it's S Fable or Shannon Fable on all the big ones, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, and yeah, so, you know, chairing the board at ACE, but I also am so, so, so fortunate that they have given me the platform. We, for many years at ACE have talked about, uh, the lack of information to provide an on-ramp for group fitness instructors. So agnostic information, I should say, where it's just, what do I do? How do I get prepared for an audition? What are the next steps after I pass my test? What conferences should I go to? What next specialty search should I get? And ACE truly wanted to provide that service. So I've been fortunate. It's been uh, about 18 months now. We've been running a Facebook page called ACE Group Fit Pros. And all it is, I know it's sponsored by ACE, which is why it has the ACE name on it, but it is agnostic information. I am in no way incentivized or tied to promoting anything that we do at ACE. So we try to keep it very, uh, very free thinking. Um, The one thing I do promise on that page compared to others is that we do no promotion, no promotional activity. So um, I love, love, love that. So that's the big thing I'm doing at ACE and super excited about it. Loving my work for Fit for Mom as well. Uh, If you haven't checked them out, check 
them out at fitformom.com. If you have any questions about that, let me know. And yeah, my doorbell is also getting ready to ring, so I'm preparing you. <laughs> uh, that's perfect timing. And just thanks for your time. And it's been great catching up with you. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm not even sure where to start. There was a tremendous, a tremendous amount of information in there. And for people that might not be that familiar with Shannon, Shannon has been one of these longtime professionals who's really kind of been the backbone of what we do on the education and master trainer side of the business. Because when you look at our, at our at our business, we have, you know, we have the health clubs, we have studios, we have other everything, and one one group, and this is where MySpace is, right? So that's why I know it know it very well. But we have one group and one part of the industry that that kind of isn't really people don't know how to get it involved. I guess is what I would say, and that is educators, master trainers, presenters like Shannon. You know, Shannon has been one of the top presenters for years, and over the last. Two or three years, she's evolved. She's changed her personal brand from being an educator, being a presenter, being a quote unquote booth babe, if you will. Um, it's a term she detests, but I'm just you know that that's an example of you have these very talented educators that can get a room of 200 people moving at a trade show. Yet a lot of times they get still get relegated to work in the booth to get people excited about the products. Well, Shannon can do that. You know, Shannon is one of those people that has done that, traveled around the world. And now she's evolved and gone to a different level in terms of her career and her own personal brand. And that's yeah, that's exactly why I wanted to have her on, on Empowered Entrepreneur, because the whole point of this podcast is to give you different ideas about how to evolve your career, your business in the fitness industry. You know, years ago, I decided I could either grind, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, grind, you know, teaching classes, training clients and doing that, you know, and I love that. That's a... That's a cool place to be. Or, you know, I wanted to evolve and become an educator, become somebody that works on the back end, helping people understand how fitness changes the body and how to do or how to do certain types of modalities of exercise. Anyway, Shannon has is, is been the one from our field, from the educator side field, who's made that transition now to being the chair of a board of directors. So that's a pretty big deal. For anybody that wants to understand organizational, we didn't. I didn't go into this with Shannon because that's a much longer podcast, and maybe I can can bring her back on to talk about that. But if you really want to understand organizational dynamics of how a a company and or any organization, and I'm going to use organization because companies are for profit generally, but an organization like the American Council on Exercise, like the American College of Sports Medicine, or NSCA National Strength and Conditioning Association. All, any organization, for-profit or not-for-profit, are run by a board of directors. A for-profit organization, let's use GE. <laughs> I'm a shareholder of GE, and their stock has been in the tank the last year and a half, two years. The board of directors of GE are major private interests that own large chunks of equity. They own parts of GE. So a board of directors for a private company like GE, the board of directors represents the owners of the company, and the company is run by management. So you have the owners that sit on the board, represented by the board, and management represents the company. So the owners, owners guide the management of a private company about how to operate the business using GE. So they do GE's business. So when you look at an organization like the American Council on Exercise, and for listeners, I worked there directly for five years, and I've been a consultant with them since I left in 2013. So I've been working with ACE for a little bit more than 10 years, both as an internal employee and as an external consultant. And 
what I can tell you about 501c3s is you have two different types of boards. Boards are very active, very engaged, and that is, you know, the ACE, you know, Shannon's role with ACE has been very active, overseeing what the organization does, but they're mainly an advice and consent board. They work with the executive team. So ACE's executive team does all their plan and everything, and the board helps guide that along. Whereas you look like NSCA, NSCA is different than ACE because the NSCA elects new board members every year. And they're on, you know, NSCA and I think ACSM, a board member gets elected to a two-year cycle and they serve two years, they can get reelected, whatever. Where ACE is, people are selected by existing board members to become a new board member. So it's a slightly different thing. Well, the reason why I go into that is if you really want to understand organizational development, if you really want to understand organizations, learn about the board. Understand the role that the board plays. You know, so my last year or so at ACE, I started really trying to understand board dynamics because the board drives the organization, whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit. A lot of the senior leadership management, senior leadership decisions are made at the board level. So if you understand, if you want to understand what your company, what's important to your company, whether you work for a studio, whether you work for a big box gym, whether you work for a small mom and pop, understand what's important to the stakeholders. If you understand what's important to the board, if you work for a gym, the board are going to be the owners of the gym. There's going to be the shareholders, the primary shareholders of the gym. If you understand what's important to the board, then you understand what's important for the operation of the business. And for those of you that want to excel your career, for those of you that want to you know, exceed you know, beyond your dreams in fitness, you have to understand all aspects of this. It's, it's one thing just to do, as Shannon said, do a step touch. Yay, I can be cute in front of a group of people. Yay, I can get people moving. Okay, that's one side of what we do. But if you really want to go far, you have to understand what's the business side. Why do gyms locate in certain areas? Why do they make an investment? Why do they not buy equipment? Why do they buy certain equipment? You know, understand that stuff. Understand the greater business environment. Start reading things. What I didn't go into with Shannon is magazines I read, you know, most of the time. I have subscriptions to Fast Company, Business Week, and The Economist. You know, Business Week and The Economist are weekly magazines. Um, sometimes I get a little backed up on those. You know, whereas Fast Company is a, is a monthly magazine. Fast Company, Entrepreneur, there's Wired. These are, co- these are magazines that are looking at business differently. They're really made, you know, Fast Company and Wired are made for the tech industry. But why don't we look outside of fitness to get better ideas for what we can do? Because ultimately what we are is we are a customer service industry. We are a customer service industry providing an experience. We don't provide a tangible good. We don't. If you go to the Apple store and you buy a phone, well, you can take back your phone and get a new one. If you go to the gym, you can't return 20 training sessions. You can't. You, know, you can't return 20 hours with a, with a trainer. You can't return half a dozen classes with an instructor. So what we have to do from our standpoint as fitness professionals is provide a service that exceeds what other people are able to do. So there are a couple of things there. If you want to take your career to the next step, if you want to be the next Shannon Fable, if you want to be the next chair of a board, if you want to be a next executive consultant, you have got to start thinking and acting like executives. Understand the finances, whatever organization you work with. Could be not-for-profit. 501c3 like the JCC or the YMCA, guess what? At the end of the day, they still need to keep the lights on. They still need to be profitable. Now, some of that, some of that money comes in from donations. Like the YMCA, where I work here in, in San Diego, the YMCA makes about 25 30% of their annual operating budget from donations. 
Understand this. Understand the thought process behind how an organization makes its money. The more, if the, the more, the higher you want to go in our industry, the further you want to go in your career, whether it's in fitness or whether you is understand the business of our business. That's the one thing that Shannon and I have talked about over the years is understanding the business of our business. Because a majority of the people in our in our industry do not do that. A majority, that's fine. Majority of our people might be fine. I only teach one or two classes a week. I do it to my kids. It's a great part-time job. I don't need to put a lot of effort into it. I just go. I have fun. That's fine. But understand that if you want to go far, if you want to say, well, why don't they pick me? Why do they always pick this person? Learn about the business. Ask questions. Show up at those meetings. Say, can I attend a manager's meeting? Can I attend a department meeting? I want to learn more about this business. What can you teach me? A good manager knows that if I want to be promoted, if I want to be promoted, I got to get you skilled up. I got to get you coached up so you can take my place. A good manager knows that in order for that manager to be promoted, they have to coach up the person to take their place. So ask those questions. So anyway, I just want to give you a little wrap up. want to give you a little insight. If you really want to understand our business, look at it from the board level. Understand how boards, what Shannon did was brilliant. She has been now the chair. She's been on the board for two terms at ACE. This is her sixth year. She's wrapping up as the chair. Next year, she'll be the chair emeritus, still involved in the organization. That is really how you go far, is don't just learn about your business. Learn about the entire ecosystem of what we do as an industry. Who makes the money? Who's the biggest player? Who are the biggest shot callers? Meaning, who are the biggest executives? Get to know these people. Only you can determine how high you go. Your attitude determines your altitude. That's an old Zig Ziglar thing from an old sales training I did years ago. But your attitude determines your altitude. Learn more. Take this as a, it doesn't matter if you're doing only one or two classes a week or if you're doing 60 sessions a week. Learn everything you can about this business because this is our business. And the more we learn about it, the more people we can help, and the more successful all of us will be. For this episode of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur, I'm Pete McCall. Thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you stop by and catch future episodes of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur.